God bless you all for being here this morning. We celebrate the risen Lord, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. He was not merely a man. He was not merely a good example. He was not merely a teacher. He is the living Son of God, risen from the dead this morning. With all the things that are going on in our world today, and there's a lot of things going on in our world today. Our culture is at a crossroads. We are in a war for our culture. We are in a cultural war. We are in an ideological war in our world today. As the divide in our culture begins to widen and deepen, the enemy would have us believe that your social and political standing and belief system is the most important battle you're going to face. The culture would have you believe that your persona on social media is who you are and how you are to be judged. The culture would have you believe that the biggest war you face today is the war of what you believe and what you say. But the truth is, these are lies of the enemy. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that it's not against flesh and blood that we battle, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. These things that we see in our world today that we're battling, these are simply a facade, these are a front for the spiritual battle that's happening in the spiritual places where God does business. And God's intention this morning is to do business, not on this stage, but in your heart. God's intention is to work in us today because God knows something, and he tells us in his word something that we must understand today. The battle we face is against sin. And James chapter 1 verse 15 says that when sin is conceived, any of us in this room sinned yet? Or have you got a streak going since birth? Most of us have blown it at least once. The Bible says that when sin is conceived, it brings forth death. The book of Romans says that the wages or the penalty or the price of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we're going to celebrate life today. We are life church. We don't live in death. We're going to celebrate that, but we must understand first the importance and the necessity and the depth of the death of Jesus Christ. Because our enemies today are sin and death. Everybody in here, regardless of your political standing, regardless of what side of the aisle you find yourself on, regardless of what you believe about this world, you have a sin problem. And I have a sin problem. And you and I also have a death problem. The Bible says that it is appointed in Hebrews 9.27, once to die and then judgment. We have a sin problem and we have a death problem. We are all going to die. We have a 100% death rate in this world. Everyone has died. And everyone will unless Jesus returns. And that's what we pray for. But it is appointed once to die, then judgment. Your calendar has an appointment on it. You don't know when it is, but your and my calendar has an appointment marked for the day that we will face God after our body passes away and we will be judged by His standard which is his perfect son, Jesus Christ. And this battle, this problem, these enemies we face, sin and death, they have a source. They have a beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, some of you remember the story. Adam and Eve were living in perfect harmony in a perfect situation, walking day, with, day by day with God. And yet when the enemy came in, when Satan came in to tempt, we find that Adam failed. Adam failed temptation, and because Adam failed, the Bible teaches that his sin led to his death and that his sin came down to us. Romans 5.12 
says that just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all people because all sinned. You say, why should I have to suffer for Adam's decision? If you've never sinned, you don't have to. But assuming that you've sinned like I have, that battle has come to us. This is a fight, church, that we are all in. If you came this morning to spectate, we welcome you and we're glad you're here. But please know that this is not a room full of spectators. We are not spectators and we are not consumers. We are participants and we are warriors in the battle for our souls. And we invite you, we invite you to join us in that. Because as we do battle, we are winning victory after victory. The men and women on this stage and the men and women in this building, the children that stand before you and help lead worship, Joey Mounts' family restored by the grace of God, the victories we're seeing in 3D Life Recovery. This is the battle that we're facing, and we believe it's the battle our community is facing. And we are serious about fighting it. We don't want to stand on the sidelines and complain. We want to get in and we want to start swinging. Fortunately, that was only round one. Adam fought sin, and sin won. This is a four-round battle. I want to tell you about round two. In Matthew chapter 4, the man that the Bible calls the second Adam, his name was Jesus Christ. He came to this world, and in Matthew chapter 3, it says that he was baptized by a man named John the Baptist, and at his baptism, the very voice of God and the Spirit of God spoke to him and rested upon him, and all the witnesses in the crowd could hear it said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to what he says. And that Spirit led him into the wilderness, and in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was fasting for 40 days and nights. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was tired, and he was alone. And just like Satan came to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, Satan comes to Jesus in Matthew 4. But church, the good news about our Savior, listen, he's not merely a teacher, he's not merely a good example. Where Adam failed and where you and I failed, Jesus won. Three times he was tempted, and three times he put the word of God on the temptation, and he won that battle. In round two, sin versus Jesus, he won. Now what does this mean for me today, and what does this mean for you? Here's what it means. There is nothing you're going through right now that Jesus can't sympathize with. And empathize with. You say, you don't know my situation. You don't know my life. You don't know my problems. You don't know me. I don't know you, but Jesus does. He knows you. And he created you. And he loves you. And he knows your problems. And he knows your worries. And he knows your fears. And he knows your doubts. And he knows your anxieties. And he can relate to them because he had them. But he did not sin. He lived perfectly. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who had been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Church, Jesus succeeded where we fail. Round two, sin versus Jesus. Jesus won, and he won on our behalf. He won for us because his victory is our victory. The Bible says that all those who would receive him, God gave them the right to be called sons and daughters of God. Jesus' win is our win, and that's why we celebrate today. And this all looked like a success in Jesus' life. Jesus was about 32, 33 years old when he won this victory. And everything was looking up for Jesus. He had defeated the temptation in the wilderness. He began to choose his disciples, and he began to minister throughout cities all over the Middle East, and he would heal people. 
And he would cure people of incurable diseases. He even raised the dead on multiple occasions. It was all victory. The kingdom was coming here on earth just as it is in heaven. It was all a win. It was all good. And the people were excited for what God was doing. But then something happened. Something happened when you get to Matthew 25. Something happened when you get to Mark 15, Luke 23, and John 19. All that seemed to be going well was abruptly ended. I wonder if any of us can relate to that this morning. Your hopes and your dreams abruptly ended because of the sin of other people. Maybe somebody did this to you. Maybe you've been hurt. Listen to what Jesus went through. He was betrayed by his closest friends. He was sold out for 30 pieces of silver. He was tried unjustly and unlawfully. He was a victim of a corrupt political system. He was the victim of political posturing. He was a pawn in the game. He was the victim of a corrupt religious system. Have you ever been hurt by a church before? Church ever hurt you? You said, I'll never do that again. Jesus can relate. His own people, his religious people turned him over. His life was exchanged for the life of an insurrectionist and a murderer named Barabbas. He was devalued. He was physically beaten beyond recognition. Have you suffered abuse? Have you suffered exposure? Jesus has been there. He was publicly exposed and mocked. He was betrayed and abandoned by God himself on the cross. In Matthew 27, 46, when Jesus cried out on the cross as he hung there dying, the greatest crime and tragedy that the world has ever seen, the very perfect son of God hanging there as a common criminal, even God the Father turned his back on him. He said, how could God have done that? God did it because Jesus was taking on your problems and my problems. Your hurt, my hurt, my sin, my failure, my corruption, my filth, Jesus took it. And when he took it willingly and gladly as he suffered there, God in his holiness as the perfect judge of the world had to look away because he couldn't dwell with it. And Jesus hung there alone with my sin and your sin on his shoulders, and he died. At 3 p.m., he stopped breathing, and he gave his spirit back to God. Later that evening, he was buried in a common grave. A man who he barely knew took him down off the cross and buried him because his best friends at this point had scattered. He was buried in a common grave. He was given no memorial. He was given no funeral service. No pomp, no circumstance, no thank you, Jesus. He was dead. And depending on your background, depending on your religious affinity, depending on what you believe in your head and your heart about Jesus, this event was one of two things. You see, in the world today, Nobody would deny that Jesus existed as a man. Everybody agree? Is that a premise we can all agree on? Jesus was here. Not a, not a folktale, not a story. Historians agree. He lived. Historians agree that he died on the cross. Eyewitness testimony proves this. He was dead. He was buried for three days. Now, if you come from a secular background, you might believe that Jesus was a great example for us to follow. If you come from a secular background, you might believe that Jesus was a really good teacher who said some really good things, but C.S. Lewis said it best. He said that Jesus was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was Lord. Because he claimed to be God, and he said he was going to come back three days after he died. Either he was lying, or he was a lunatic, or he was who he said he was. Depending on where you come from, the death of Jesus may look like a tragedy. 
You say there must be some mistake that this man that this church celebrates that we would be this excited about a dead man. But look in Acts 2.23, it says that this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men, and you put him to death. This was God's plan all along. This wasn't a surprise to God. This wasn't a shocking tragedy that heaven had to somehow reconcile with. This was Jesus' plan from the very beginning. You say, how could God have planned this? Isaiah 53.10 said not only did God plan it, but that it pleased God to bruise him and to cause him to suffer. As God turned away from Jesus in his sin that he took on for us, not sin that he had committed, God was happy that this was happening. You say, this doesn't make sense. How could a parent who loves their child be happy to watch their child suffer? I want to bring you good news today. God was happy to do that to Jesus Because he was happy to bring you to himself. He was happy to put our sin on him so that we could be forgiven. John chapter 3 verse 16 says that for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, and for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. Say this is crazy. This story is insane. We celebrate the death of a man. The death of an example, the death of a teacher, the death of a man who called himself God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says the word of cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile like me and you. Colossians 2.14 says, Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it away and he nailed it to the cross. Round two, sin versus Jesus. Jesus took it and Jesus won. He took it, he fought it, but it didn't kill him. Jesus didn't die because of something he had done. Jesus died because of something I've done. And he did that to give me victory. It says in 1 Peter 2, that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Are you hurting today? If you're hurting and if you're broken today, the good news is that the healer is in the house. The good news is that healing is available. By his wounds you have been healed. But the question is, do you receive it? The cross of Christ is the moment that everything that's wrong with me met everything that's right about Jesus Christ. And I can come away different, and I have. And many in this building have come away different. The question is, are you going to walk away different? Round one, round two, comes with sin coming after Jesus. Sin tempted Jesus. Sin got nowhere. So now we're at round three. The topic this weekend is simply this, death is defeated. But yet, on Good Friday, we celebrate Good Friday, the day that Jesus died. Pastor Blake told us that the wages of sin is death. In Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. So how did Jesus die? You have now round three, death versus Jesus. Because when God created humans and put them in the garden, sin and death came after humans and said, I'll not have what God wants. You see, the big problem is not that the devil hates you, it's the devil hates God. The devil hates everything that God loves, and God loves you. And God put us into the world, and sin came, and we took it, and we gave dominion away to death. And so death reigned from Adam until now, 
It's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that to judgment, so says the word of God. And so now here comes Jesus on the scene, and he says, I'm going to give people eternal life. He says, whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. How can that be, Jesus? How can people like us who have sinned and are dying, how can we have everlasting life? The only way that we could have everlasting life is that Jesus is going to have to deal with this death problem. So sin comes to Jesus and says, here, Jesus, take this. And Jesus says, I'll not do it. So for three and a half years, sin and death came after Jesus. He was betrayed. He was mocked. He was hunted down. People were always looking to trip him up so that they could kill him. And finally, after three and a half years, Satan got Judas and many others to come together to condemn Jesus to die. So now the one who has life, who has no sin, they think they're going to kill him. Death says, I got him now. I'll wrestle him down. And so Jesus was condemned to die and sent off to die. And he was beaten with a cat of nine tails so badly that you couldn't even tell he was a human, but he's still alive. They gave him a cross to carry up the hill, and he's dehydrated, and he, he's lost a lot of blood, and he has, doesn't even look like a human, and he comes up the hill. He lays down on the cross, and they put spikes in his hands and in his feet, and they hoist him up on Golgotha's hill, and he still didn't die. And death says, I got him now. I got him now. But the more death tried, the more death couldn't have him. The Bible says that it came down to this. Death is trying to take Jesus' life, but there is no sin in Jesus. Therefore, there is no power. Death has no power over him. But the thing that Jesus knows, and Jesus is here to do something, he's thinking this. He's thinking of the people sitting here on 3rd Street in Metropolis on Easter Sunday here in 2021. And Jesus says in his heart, I'm going to take your place. So the Bible says in Luke chapter 23, 46, Jesus crying with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. There's not many of us here can determine the hour of our death. Most of us will not. Some do, but they do because their thinking is not correct. But Jesus was able to give up his life, and he said, I'm able to take it up again. Death couldn't get him. Ladies and gentlemen, if death is your problem, I want you to know there is one who death never had a hold on. There is one who was so radical in his beliefs about life that he said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Why on earth would Christians be afraid of death when death is defeated? Death for the Christian is not cessation. It is not something to be dreaded. It is our graduation time. We get out of these bodies and get into one like Jesus. But you know why so many people don't like the idea of that? Because they're living for this life. You're living for this life, and you want all that this life can give you, and you're scared to death of what's going to happen there. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you come to Jesus, the only way to come to Jesus, you have to lay down your life and take up his. Paul, the apostle, said, I die every day. I'm not alive to what's going on in this life. I'm alive unto him. And when you give up your life in exchange for his life, you will have your life and you will live it abundantly. Death is defeated. Hallelujah. Death couldn't have him. Jesus said, I'll just give it up. But see, round four, what does this mean now? Jesus took on death and he took our place and he came forth from the grave. Round four is like this. The Bible says Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep, the first fruits. In other words, as Jesus is alive, we're coming forth. We are going to experience that resurrection from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. So how does that affect us here in the church? Death versus the church. Death versus how we live today. We live today with a sure hope that our life is hid in the hand of God. Each in his own order. Christ first. Then the first fruits, and after those who are Christ at his coming. Did you hear what he said? At his coming. The world looks like a mess now. Last year, things turned upside down, and fear went everywhere. You know what the fear was? I'll tell you what people were afraid of. They were afraid of death. And they thought, some way I'm going to do something to prolong my life. You cannot prolong anything. God orders your steps. And so God has given us eternal life, so I will live in the hope of the eternal life, and I will not fear what man or anything else can do to me. You see, death versus the church. The church lives in this radical way that we know that someday everything that we understand about death will be gone. The Bible says the last enemy that will be abolished is death. Can you picture this someday? You see all these folks back here, all these ministers sitting here, and all of you sitting here. Can you imagine all of us believers coming together at the last day, at the judgment? And I want you to picture this, that we're all sitting here, and Jesus is on the throne. He says, I've got some work to do, and I want you all to see it. And we're like, what you doing, Jesus? And Jesus says, I'm going to call death up here right now. And he brings death up before Jesus. And before all of us, and before all of eternity and all of time, Jesus says, death, you are now forever abolished. You will not bring your consequences to anyone else ever again. The book of Revelation said there'll be no more sorrow, no more dying, no more suffering because the former things are passed away. Well, I'll be glad when that day happens. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's already happened. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 11, he said to Martha and Mary, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. What would you do if you knew you'd never, lie, never die? What would you do? How would you live? Well, this is what Jesus said. Are you alive now? Pinch yourself. If you're not alive after what these folks did today, there's not much hope for you. Amen? If you're alive and you believe in Jesus, Jesus said you'll never die. You say, but wait a minute, we have funerals. Of course we do. What did he say about that? He goes on to say, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? And he goes on to say, whoever believes in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. Ladies and gentlemen, we're alive. Our soul is alive. 
Our spirit is connected to Jesus. Why are you going to worry about this life? You see, the choice is pretty clear today. Sin came after Jesus. Sin couldn't beat him. Death couldn't beat him. And now for those who are in Jesus, death can't beat you. Death cannot beat you. And so today I wonder, it's Easter Sunday. We like to call it Resurrection Sunday. It's a better name. Because that's what we celebrate. But you know the early Christians, they celebrated every weekend. Every weekend they celebrated the resurrection. Because the resurrection changed something in them. Has it changed something in you? Has your belief in a resurrected Lord and trusting in Him, has it really changed you? Because if it hasn't, then you've not yet united your life to the life that's in Christ. Because when you do that, your life changes. If there's been no change in your life, there's been no Jesus in your life. Because when Jesus comes in, he breathes life into the dead and you come alive. And I want you to know today, you don't have to live in fear anymore. If you decide to live in fear, it's your choice. You don't have to anymore. You don't have to live in bondage to those old habits and those moral things inside of you that keep destroying you and wrecking your life. Have you noticed the more you go after this life, the more it eludes you? You don't have to live that way. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a real belief. You see, that means if Jesus is alive from the dead and I confess him as my Lord, that, mean this, that means this living Lord decides my life. See, a lot of people will reject the gospel simply because they want it on their terms. I want God to take my mess and promise me heaven someday. That's not eternal life. Eternal life is I give up this life that is perishing and receive one that is imperishable. And you know what, someday, for those who make that decision, you're going to exchange that body that is getting older and wearing down for one that will never perish. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Ladies and gentlemen, he is risen. And he is offering new life to you. And I just want to ask you point blank, have you ever truly trusted Christ with your life? If you have not, today, Easter Sunday, 2021, is your day. That same Jesus, alive from the dead, invites you to come and trust him for the rest of your life. Don't do it if you don't mean business. If you just want fire insurance, you come to the wrong place. I offer you tonight life because our Lord is alive. What I'm going to do is this band's going to sing another worship song, and I'm going to invite you to stand in just a moment and worship with us. But I also want to look you straight in the eye and just ask you point blank, has there ever been a real change in your life? Have you trusted Jesus? 
Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to turn away from your past in repentance and turn by faith toward him? If you are, some of us will be at the front. We'd love to pray with you and help you to do that today. What an Easter gift to receive the resurrected Lord today. Amen? For some of you that are trying to decide if you're going to do this today, let me just ask the ones that have. If you knew that somebody was considering trusting Jesus today, what would you tell them? Did it make a difference in your life? Amen. Amen. Let's praise him today. He is risen. He's alive from the dead.